Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. We're thrilled to be partnered with Qatar Racing. Qatar Racing is a subsidy of Kipco, the largest sponsor in British flat racing. As a global racing and breeding operation, Qatar Racing Chairman Sheikh Fahad bin Abdullah Al Thani has created an expansive international sponsorship portfolio to include the Breeders' Cup and events like the Pegasus World Cup turf. Qatar Racing has over 100 horses in training, many mares and foals and yearlings, and four top-class stallions, which includes Cameco, Zustar, Havana Gold, and Lightning Spear. Don't miss out on the great Qatar Racing action and learn more at www.inthemoneypodcast.com slash Qatar. Big thanks to their sponsorship and very excited for today's show as we are really getting into the swing of things as the two-year-old sales approach. So we'll be talking about that quite a bit um, and also just a little bit uh, about uh, some of the mares and foals and breeding and uh, that time of year where everything is happening. So really uh, excited as the steam starts to pick up. So hope that you enjoy today's show and make sure to stay tuned and keep an eye out for a lot of great content coming up over the next few weeks and the next couple months, in fact, with all of the sales in full swing. So we'll get right into it. Thanks, as always, for joining us as we welcome in the first guest on In the Ring. So happy to welcome in um, people that I really admire and the work that they do with their horses, but also people that I'm lucky enough to call friends as well. Nellie and Chetley Breeden from Grade One Investments. And Nellie and Chetley, um, you've had a lot of success with horses that you've prepped, layup runners, but you're going in a, a new direction this spring and taking a few to the two-year-old sales. Um, and let's start with um, just kind of how the idea came to pass. Hi, Acacia. Thank you so much for having us on today. Um, we're we're really, really excited about the new venture. Um, like you said, we've been training um, and we're, we've decided to go full on into the two-year-old sales season. Um, Chetley is here with me as well. Hey, Acacia. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Chetley. So um, as we've been training, it's always been the plan to to do the two-year-old sales. Uh, we just finally kind of, I guess, got our got our wits about us where we can um, dive in. Uh, we have a obviously a supporting cast with most of our family that also do the two-year-old sales. So mm -hmm. they've all rallied around us. Everyone is excited um, about the venture, and uh, we just felt it was kind of a natural progression. Um, you know, we, we've been training them, been prepping them and have sent them over and had success at the sales. And now we're going to try our hand at it. And, uh, and Chetley, as we're bringing you into this conversation as well, you have so much experience as Nellie touched on with horses that are either going to two-year-old sales or coming from two-year-old sales. How do you expect that experience to play into that, this new venture coming up? Well, like Nellie was saying, you know, we, this has always been the plan and process for us. You know, we were wanting to do the two-year-old sales and we finally put all the puzzle pieces together and were able to pull the trigger on it this year and um, get it done. And I think that from all the layups and everything that we've done previously in the training has been a, just an abundance of experience that we've had. So this has just been the natural progression for us to just move forward and, and do this. So we're very, very excited about this. Like Nellie was saying, also, we've had such a big outpouring of support from Jimbo and Tori, Martha and Jimmy, Nellie's Uncle Robbie, Cousins JR, who are all in the two-year-old business as well. They've all extended out an olive branch and are 
you know, really helping us out with all the questions and everything that we have. So it's been a really, really good process. And we're super excited about moving forward. Jimbo and Tori, actually, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Nellie. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. No, that's okay. I was just going to add, I, I was running through everything. You know, I said, I think the easy part is the horse. Everything else to do with the sale is, um, you know, the the new part. But the horse and, and getting him ready, we're, we are 100% accustomed to that. So we're, we're not as nervous about the horse as, as getting everything else prepared for the sale. And you have the frosted cult that's going to go to the March sale and then a, a handful to look forward to in April. Can you tell me a little bit about the cult that we'll see in March? Absolutely. So he is a New York bred um, and we purchased him at Keeneland uh, September and he is a very precocious cult. We're so excited for him to be our first showcase um, we're expecting him to to have a nice work above average, obviously, um, is what we're expecting. Um, so as as long as all the stars align, there's there's a million other things in the universe that can prevent that. But we are we do have high hopes for him. He's a gorgeous colt. Um, he's never had to take a day off, which I always love because, you know, it it shows that he's tough mentally and physically. So he's handled the the sales prep up to this point without any problems. So we're really excited to bring him and, and we feel like we have a nice product to bring to the buyers. And for both of you, what is the sales prep process like? Because of course they're going to go to the sales and ask to be work 10 flat or thereabouts. And it's obviously a different prep at this stage of the game versus a horse that's expected to debut in, in May or June or something like that going right to the races. Exactly, exactly. So we do have to lean on them a little earlier. Um, and, and for example, in comparison to the racehorses, you know, we'll never ask the racehorses to go 10 flat at our farm or, you know, at a sale, obviously. But so we do have to, you know, go a little harder on these horses. So they do have to be able to handle that. So um, this colt and others that we are sending over to March um, with with actually we have a filly that's going to sell with Jimbo and Tori, but they've had to go faster earlier and withstand the process um, a little earlier. So, um, you know, they've, they've had to uh, take that training um, and the training, like I said, in comparison to the racehorses, we just asked them a little earlier to go faster. Um, so it's, it's, that's kind of the process. And, and gently, when you have a horse that comes from a yearling sale and then you're expecting to see that horse go on to a two-year-old sale, uh, talk a little bit about the progression from one sale to the next, because uh, as we know, especially at this stage of the game, there's so much change that can happen day to day with these horses. Yeah, there is a lot of change, Acacia, that definitely happens from day to day. And, you know, we, we're accustomed to all of that and we're ready, you know, we're ready and sitting on go for all of the changes that can come our way for sure. But it is like Nellie was saying, it's, you know, the only real difference is, is getting a horse ready to run during the summer at the races is we're just going to push on them a little bit more and ask them a little bit earlier than what we would at some of the older horses that we would have. So we are getting close to the OBS March two-year-old sale. It's uh, it's in your backyard, so I'm sure that has to be a nice thing about it too. But can you tell me a little bit about when you ship in, what the plan is to, to get the horse settled, and then, of course, prepped for that pre-show, which, as we've seen with the two-year-old sales, how they work really is so important as to how they will sell. 
Yeah, it is. You know, Nellie and I have been doing a lot of homework and getting everything's li everything lined up and set and ready to go. Um, we're going to ship over on Monday and start the process then. We're Like Nellie, so we have one that we're selling. We have another one that we prepped and got ready that Jimbo and Tori are selling. So, But we're going to be we're going to be moving in on Monday and, and starting the process then. So it's very exciting, you know, moving forward forward with that and after actually after we get off the podcast with you we're heading over there to do a little bit more work to try to get fine-tuned with it all and you know with it being in our backyard is definitely definitely a plus for us and we're excited about that and it's a plus also you know we we planned ahead on this that we wanted to just have one or two go in in our first sale we didn't want to be you know, overworked and because the most important thing is, is the uh, quality of horse that we have and taking care of it. And so we didn't want to overextend ourselves at all. So us having one horse over at the sale this this March sale is actually very, very good for us. So we're excited about that. So we can focus in on everything that we need to focus in on. And Jimbo and Tori, of course, with top line sales, uh, Nellie, your brother, and uh, and of course, uh, any pretty much everybody in racing, I think, knows your parents, Martha and Jimmy. Um, can you tell a little bit about the influence that they've had? And you said the help that they've offered, of course, uh, top line sales, always known for having quality horses, especially at these two-year-old sales. Absolutely. So obviously they have, you know, basically perfected the process and we're kind of falling right in line with um you know what they what they've done in the past as far as shipping in prepping all of those things because in the past the past few years you know the horses have gone over to them that we've prepped so um Chetley and I are familiar with their process and so we've just kind of fallen in line. It's obviously working for them, this schedule. So we're, we're just, you know, piggybacking off of that. They've been such a helpful um, support system for questions. We have, you know, text chains of, you know, what does this schedule look like or this or, you know, this material for, you know, whatever questions we have. They've been so helpful and so supportive and so um, and then obviously my mom and dad are, you know, cheering us on all the way um, as, as far as that goes. And, and um, so we're, we're very grateful for the support and, you know, Jimbo and I, and my brother Raymond, we had our first consignment. I think I was maybe 12 years old mm -hmm. um, at, I think OBS was our first time having one. So we've been doing it. We've all been working together for my entire life. So it's nothing new for us all to collaborate and work together. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just been a natural progression and it's, we're, we're all really excited. I'm really excited for you guys too. And, um, I know that you two, um, were, were high school sweethearts as well. And, uh, it's been kind of a long time in the making, but seeing the success you've been having with your own business and with, uh, layup horses and prepping horses and now into this new venture, how gratifying is it to be able to do it together and, and to be having success with it? It really is awesome. Acacia, you know, like you said, we, we were high school sweethearts, my family and, um, has known Nellie's family literally before we were born. So we, we've grown up together and um, it's really been enjoyable and fun, you know, cause we lean on my family and Nellie's family as well um, moving forward, but it's been so much fun to see the fruits of our labor come to fruition. You know, we've, we've worked really, really hard and, you know, to have all the puzzle pieces, puzzle pieces come together and stars align, you know, it's been really gratifying. And so we're very excited and anxious to get over to March and, um, 
hopefully have hopefully have a good sale. So it's it's been a really great thing. It's you know to get up every day and work with Nellie is an absolute pleasure. So we both enjoy that. I know I do. She might say something different. But. <laughs> no, I was going to ask that. that it, it doesn't feel like work when we're yeah. doing it together. So that's the blessing that you know, if, if only one of us were doing this job, it probably would be impossible because it is so demanding. But mm -hmm. whenever we spend, you know, 14 hours at the farm, but we're together, it's, it's okay. You know, our kids may say otherwise, they <laughs> may get tired every now and then, but, but when we're together, if you have to wait on a vet or whatever, it's, it's okay. Cause we're mm -hmm. together. So it really is. Yeah. And like Nellie was saying, it, it would be very difficult. And I'm sure a lot of people know this. If, mm -hmm. if you, if you don't have, if you have one person in a different industry, you know, they don't quite understand, you know, the time yeah. constraints that you have. So, you know, it could be, you think a normal day is coming and then the next thing you know, you're staying the night out of the farm. So <laughs> you don't know what's coming your way from a day to day process. So. I always tell Miguel, we're just basically like members of a traveling circus. You know, we, we right. just, Absolutely. we just follow the horses. Right. Yeah, that's right. Whatever they feel like is important for the day, then we follow along, yeah, right? They, they lead, we follow. That's how it works. <laughs> well, of course, coming up with the two-year-old sales, um, a, a lot of excitement and anticipation, I'm sure. But I also wanted to touch on some of the other horses that you've prepped or, or gotten ready to come back to the racetrack in particular um, for Dean Reeves, who I know you've, you've gotten to have a really close relationship with and a lot of success success with and it looks like he's going to have another really big year with with some nice babies and some older horses coming back into training oh yeah we are it, we're set up for a monster year for mr dean like you said we have such a close basically family relationship with him at this point um but you know last year i think he won maybe I don't, I don't want to say the wrong number of stakes, but we're going to try to top it this year, of course, and that's going to be nearly impossible because it was such a fantastic year. But every crop seems to be more and more exciting. You know, this year, the two-year-olds, we feel like he is just stacked and loaded, ready for Saratoga, ready for the rest of the year. Um, and then he has all of his older horses. You know, we actually were talking with him um, the other day about the farm and things like that and, you know, how much how many nice older horses he has and how we, we have to take into that account with the farm, make sure we have a, plenty of space for those. Cause <laughs> each year, you know, he just has more and more nice horses. So um, city man, he's getting back started training. Um, Big invasion was here at the farm. He's back on the work tab with, uh, with Miguel and Kristoff. And so uh, a couple others just shipped back, um, so we're we're very excited for the year for Mr. Dean and Miss Patty um, and all of their all of their all horses the, yeah, coming off the farm. So they have they they have a they have a really really good group coming up and to go along with what Nellie said, we're just we're as excited about that as we are anything you know to watch yeah. these horses come through the come through the training program that we have and be successful at the next stage is so gratifying for us and you know to watch watch all that. So it's very exciting. Yeah, Nellie, I remember when uh, when Senbei debuted at Saratoga, you said it was like watching your child run. <laughs> oh, gosh, it was. And he was misbehaving. And <laughs> I know that he, you know, knew better lessons and, and manners than that. And so <laughs> I was just, you know, speaking through the screen that he needs to behave. And so it is like your children because, you know, you 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 get to know them so well and, you know, every little quirk about them and and, you know, um, and so and and all we can do is try to put a foundation in them. So that's what we 
send to the next level um you know the the trainers at the track they really have the real pressure to make them perform we just have to make sure they have their manners and so whenever he was behaving that way I said oh my goodness he knows better than that (laughs) something I would say to my own son you know you know better than that you know so it's it is a lot of fun um and it is so rewarding whenever they go out and do well and showcase what we believe they have Mm -hmm. you know and and how special has it been for you to 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 have owners like Dean and Patty and and all the partners as you mentioned, um, but but the support that they've brought to you as you've really grown your business on your own. Dean and Patty are absolutely fantastic. We love working with them. They understand the game. They understand the industry, and that's such a key part in it. If if there's any sort of issue that we have with the horse, they understand. They take it in stride. They get it. And so, and they're actually down here quite a bit, you know, during the training process during the winter months. So they're able to see firsthand, they're able to watch the horses progress. And so they are, I mean, they're down here with us whenever uh, Dean, Dean is here, you know, we have to fill a, a workload for him. He's, he doesn't <laughs> like to sit idle. So we have to keep him busy whenever he's here for sure. But they get to watch the progression of it too, which I think they appreciate and it makes them feel closer to the horses. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're like a typical owner. You know, mm-hmm. they are very hands-on. They're wanting to, Dean's out here wanting to lead horses and walk around and, <laughs> and do everything just like he's part of the crew. So it's fantastic having them. They're very understanding, very great people. And just like Nellie said, it's not really a, a working relationship. It's a family relationship with them. And we, we do love them dearly. And to piggyback off of that, they also are so supportive of us growing. Yes. Um, last year, we had a, a open house at the farm. And Mr. Dean said, you know, this is just to showcase you guys. This is to help you guys grow your business. Um, and so they, they're just so supportive of that, which we really, really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they are 100% part of the reason that our, our own personal business has grown is because of their support Absolutely. as well. And then of course their partners and, and other owners giving us the opportunity, um, to have some success for them. Well, really looking forward to seeing some of those older horses back and, and the babies too. And, um, I know, I'm sure a lot of your focus is on the two-year-old sales coming up, but as you continue to grow, what are some of the the goals that you all have for your business and some things that that you hope to accomplish that you hope to bring to the table? Uh, Obviously, like you were saying, you know, we're, we're very excited about the two-year-old sale, but just, you know, to, to do, to put a good product out there is our, is our main goal. You know, we want to work hard for our work hard for our horses work hard for the owners and put a good product out there that we can stand behind and that we're proud of that's our main goal moving forward and if if we ever lose sight of that then we just need to get get out of it but that's what we that's our main goal every single day is to make the horses better make them comfortable and put a great product out there that we're proud of and the owners are proud of as well well, you do that every day. Um, wishing you the best of luck with the two-year-old sales coming up. And um, thank you so much for, for taking the time to be on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so thank much, you Acacia. So happy to welcome in somebody who is certainly no stranger to the sales. In fact, if you've been at uh, any sale, pretty much anywhere all over the world in recent years, you've probably seen her there. Fiona Craig, longtime consultant advisor from Wegler Stud. Fiona, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. 
Um, and as, as I said, Fiona, I mean, you've you've really covered pretty much every sale all over the world. Can you just talk a little bit? I know your schedule is crazy and you spend a lot of time on the road going um, from race course to sale to event and really covering a lot of different things from Moiglare. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like, I always said it's a bit like a big family. You know, you walk around the corner at a sale, wherever you are, and you are always going to recognize people. It doesn't matter whether it's in New Zealand, Japan, Kentucky, Ireland. It, it doesn't really matter because it's like a traveling circus. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it, it's evaluating horses. Yes, you're there to buy them, but you're also there to evaluate them for future reference, whether to, mm -hmm. to breed to them, to breed to the, you know, to breed to the stallion, do you look at their produce, to look at the produce of mares that you might consider buying, mm -hmm. whether it's to buy a yearling, whether it's just to basically keep an eye on what the market's doing. But sometimes you go to a sale just to watch it. We saw you recently um, in Kentucky. I know you spent some time in Lexington. The Keeneland January sale took place, and um, there's quite a bit of action going on at the farms in Lexington as well for you. Oh, yeah, because this is, you know, it started, what date are we? Yeah, it started two weeks ago, breeding season. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in January, yes, you know, no one's breeding in January, but the mares are getting set up to be bred. In theory, you've done your plans, but a lot of people finalize them at the last moment. I actually hate doing plans way in advance, <laughs> as most people involved with me know. If I could if I could decide on a mating on a mare the day before she actually goes to the stallion, that would suit me. But that's not in this day and age convenient. Mm -hmm. Some of the nominations or the seasons, um, the, the seasons in the United States are nominations in, in Britain, but basically it's the same thing. They're, they're, they're a breeding. Um, in the popular stallions, they're in very short supply. And so therefore, if you want to breed two, an intermischief, a curling, um, not this time, any of those mm -hmm. sort of stallions, um, gun runner, then you need to get your name down pretty early, like certainly by November. And obviously, I know that you keep really close tabs on those sorts of things. What is it about a stallion that will kind of pique your interest a little bit, perhaps for one of the mares in, in the broodmare band? Um, well, certainly success. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, occasionally you might step outside the board and, and breed to a horse that's not being a success. But statistically, so few stallions actually hit at the level where you want, you know, if, you, if you've got some good mares, or even if it's young mares, it doesn't really matter. It, it, it refers to everybody with a mare. At the level where you want to breed your mare, there are so few stallions that actually do it. You know, and because we tend to race everything, we do sell a few. We in, in January, um, we sold a colt foal. Um, even though we do sell a few, most of ours are destined for the race course, which is relatively rare now because you have to be extremely wealthy to be able to afford to do that. And I think as time goes on, the people who historically would have bred and raced are actually dying out, mm -hmm. and they just did it for the love of it, and they and they paid for it. Now a lot of people have to try and make some money out of it. So therefore, sending horses to the sales is a factor. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you're going to be sending yearlings to the sales, foals to the sales, mares in foal to the sales, it doesn't matter what side of the Atlantic you are or even Southern Hemisphere, you want to be breeding to something that's not deemed a failure. Mm -hmm. 
And we yeah. saw um, just the other week Love Appeals at Gulfstream Park, who was a homebred from Wegler, winning in the States. And and I believe that was your your second uh, homebred winner in the States yes, as well. Yes, well, well, we, well yeah. the first time we had the homebreds, we, had, we did great. We had um, Leah Marina that won a state as a um, two-year-old on the turf. Um, and now this filly, yeah, she's a maiden winner. We'll just, you know, I think... Christoph and Miguel and all the team in Clermont have like her a lot, so we'll just watch and see. I don't. I know Christoph. He won't throw her in at a at a neck. I think she needs a lot of training yet. But the ideas and the dreams are that she will go up the scale, and that we end up down the road with um, a nice potential broodmare. And also, she is the second foal of her mother that we also end up with enhancing the value sure. and the credibility of her mother. Can you tell me a little bit about the mindset of racing like that, where you have the mayor and you're thinking that that filly could potentially be part of the broodmare band moving yes. on. It's going to be a different mindset for that kind of program versus oh, other owners. Yeah. And absolutely. And that's, that's the luxury that we have, yeah. that we're very lucky to have a Swiss owner, that that's, that's how she views it. Her father viewed that he founded Moigler Stud, but as a, you just, you, you watch them as they, as they proceed you try to um, support the mares. You then will support the racehorses themselves. And then you'll decide as the process goes on, which ones do you keep? Which ones do you sell? You try to get it right, but you're not always going to get it right. Um, you'll keep some that are no good and you'll sell the odd one that goes on to do well. But that's just the way of life. And you can't have sleepless nights about that. You have to, with the information you have to hand, on so many factors, soundness, temperament, style of running, what do they do in the morning? There's so many different factors that go into the mindset of a filly and a potential mare mm -hmm. that you know, you're not always going to get it right because you'll miss something or you'll put too much emphasis on something else. But if you actually do your homework and you watch them and you study them, normally you get it right. You know, if I find there's a filly with a very bad temperament factor, like, you know, say, for example, Acacia, you're walking around Christoph's barn and every time you walk past this door, this filly will jump out of it and try <laughs> and eat you. Now, OK, even though she may be fast, she may be able to run, something with that sort of temperament mm. may not be ideal, you know? Sure. So it's just, so when I'm down with Christoph, I just hang out in the barn and I watch them and I listen, I talk to the lads. And I ask the lads, how do they eat? What do they do? What do they like? What do they like to groom? What do they like to do everything else? And you, you get a bit of a picture. And it's the same in Ireland. I mean, I ask the lads constantly, what's this like? What's his temperament? How does it behave? Because, you, you know, to be a good broodmare, they need a lot of things. They need some temperament. You know, the quiet donkey type horse very rarely makes a good broodmare. Sure. But you need you need fire but you don't need so much fire that, that everything's exploding left, right, and center. It can be not a good uh, situation to have no, in the breeding really, shed. No, no, no. <laughs> um, not even in the breed, but not even just in the breeding shed. I, I would view that more as a, as a mare prospect mm -hmm. long-term. Mares need to be relatively static to give their chance, their foals chance to develop. Mm -hmm. It's fine for a mare to be galloping around a field, but you don't want it constantly. Mm -hmm. Because then you're looking at problems of the fold, especially if the ground's hard. 
you just need them to, you need mares to switch into the maternal mode. And it's more than the breeding shed, it's more than a lot of things, but they need to switch into a maternal mode. And that's the good brood mares. And you alluded to Ava, who lives in Switzerland, and her father, Walter, who founded yes. Moigler. And they've, yeah. they've put so much into the operation and into the sport of horse racing in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was a, an industrialist, a self-made man. Um, he actually went to Ireland to buy a show jumper and ended up coming <laughs> back with 250 acres of an Irish dairy farm. <laughs> um, but, no, and he loved the sport. He was actually for gentry amateur, champion amateur himself. He was a very good horseman at the age of 52. And I think then, and he enjoyed it, but he, his love was, initially he was commercial. Everything went to the sales. And then I think he made a profit one year and he turned around to everybody who said, that's it. Now we're going to race them. And all he wanted was the good horse. Mm-hmm. You know, the others, and he understood 100% that you have to have a lot of average horses to get to the good one. Mm-hmm. But the good horse will carry you to all those dreams and all those places that that's where you want to go. I mean, I've traveled with horses around the world, not, not physically, but I mean, they're wonderful. They, yeah. they, you know, you meet taxi drivers in strange cities. I remember being in Melbourne for the Melbourne Cup and Profound Beauty was running. You, you meet all these different people and, the, and it's purely the, the ability of the horse that gets you there. You, know, you go to different restaurants, you stay in different hotels. It's, there's a lot to it. And we have to be grateful for the racehorse for taking us there. They've, they've given me the most incredible experiences yeah. and taken me to places that I never thought yeah. I would have gone. And it's amazing yeah. what they can do, truly. It is. it is, yeah. And you were very active in France at the Deauville sale as well, of course, uh, with Malavath, who sold uh, at a very high number. But she has a mm-hmm. lot of quality and she seems really, oh, really yeah. exciting for the States this year. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's, she's run very well twice in the States. Um, I think probably because of the distance. And I think she probably likes the top of the ground. Well, that, I, that, that's an Irish expression. She likes faster ground and softer mm-hmm. ground. She ran very well in France last year. She's got a very interesting pedigree for us because we can breed her to virtually anything we want to. She's a miler, as a lot of our broodmares tend to throw high-class staying horses. So there was a lot of... There were a lot of pluses for her to join Moiglaire, but obviously racing is the big side of it. Maeva loves racing. So I think, you know, I think the hope is that she can be she can be contending at the top level mile races for Phillies this year. And that's slightly the pressure we put on Mr. Clement. But then we bought the other mare as well, Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, she she's a German mare, she's a year older. But I mean, again, she has a great outcross pedigree, but she'd already won two group twos and placed in two group ones. And so, you know, it's, they're just new and she's beautiful. I mean, they're both beautiful mares. When they eventually retire as brood mares, which they both will, then, you know, you'll see them standing in a field, you know, go, yeah, that's what we want. (laughs) And it is exciting to see too. Can you tell me a little bit when you're at the sales and obviously the, the two mares you just mentioned have already a strong race record to go off of but sometimes you're kind of looking at the intangibles the mentality some of the things that you mentioned and there seems to be some upside with them too for your operation yeah absolutely i mean you look at pedigree you look at physique Mm -hmm. you look at toughness you look at actually what have they run over what what is their ability there's a lot of it that's more than just the filly that's placed at group one level in the breeders cup in Mm -hmm. america um yeah, a lot of it is what they look like. 
um, a lot of it is what what talent they've shown through their life. Mm. Were they good as two year olds? Were they slow as two year olds? Have they had sparks of brilliance? What you know? Are they consistent, or does their race record go up and down in waves? And I think that's a big factor as well. I mean, I've, I I often remember we had a filly that won one race. She won it very very impressively in Ireland, mm. and I sold her. And everyone said to me, "Why are you selling her?" Because I said, "Because every other race we ran her in, she virtually refused to run." So I think there has to be a willingness. There has to be a, a desire to win. And somehow that is not always, but somehow that desire to win, which is really what you want a racehorse to do, is passed down through the generations. And I think that's the bit you have to cling to. Mm-hmm. Does this as does this filly as a mare want down the road? Does she want to win races? If she wants to win races, then there's a chance that that's going to be thrown into the fold. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't want to win races, then there's a lot more luck involved. Sure. And as you mentioned with Ireland and, and Moigler is really a global operation, how do you decide which ones to run in the United States and which to keep in Europe? Well, we used to take all the US breads back to Europe. Mm-hmm. For years, they all went back to Europe. And yeah, we had some success. Our media puzzle that went on to win the Melbourne Cup. Mm-hmm. He was a theatrical, he was bred in Kentucky. Um, for a long time, that was the way it was. And then I think we discovered that you know, then there was some, oh, these are US breads, they won't go on soft ground, they won't do that. And so we'd rather got out of breeding in America, but it's it's so hard in Europe now because, you know, Galileo was so dominant. Right. And we probably have a less, a, a smaller group of stallions, and you're just struggling to find something you could breed some of the mares to. And we always had a few mares in America, there were fillies would come over to race with Christoph, and then we'd retire them there. So we had a small group. And we just decided to go out and buy a few more. We didn't spend fortunes. I suppose Celestine was quite pricey, but we decided to buy a small group more and then just breed them in the US to run in the US. Mm-hmm. And Leah Marina was the first of those and Love Appeal so far is the second. So I actually use them as US braid mares. And then at the end of, at the end of their career, then we can decide would they suit the broodmares in Ireland or would they or can we keep them as broodmares here in Kentucky or do we just sell them mm-hmm. you know and I think that's we're, we're sort of a couple of years into that uh we tend to sell the colts mm-hmm. um not that Mr Clement is terribly happy about that but <laughs> um fillers are really what we're looking for and stakes fillers with good credentials that yeah. are sound and can perform and have speed you know I, you, know, you wouldn't go to Curlin. You wouldn't breed a mare to Curlin to take it to Ireland. Right. You wouldn't breed a mare probably to Gunrunner to take it to Ireland. So it, it, it means we can breed mares to that level of stallion and um, and then run them here. Like, like, like every year we send home a couple of US breads to Ireland that mm-hmm. suit Ireland for whatever reason. We, you know, Christoph will look at them, I'll look at them. We just decide that maybe they don't look as if, as if they'd stayed sound. I mean, the, the problem with the American racing is you train on a dirt track sure. and it's a very demanding. In Ireland, we train on turf and so all or, or, or weathers, but it's probably a less stressful training regime. Mm-hmm. So if we look at something that, say, has poor legs, for whatever reason, some of time, sometimes it's imm- immaturity, sometimes that's just the way they're made. Um, they're sound, but they. But and Christoph will just say to me, "I think we struggle to keep this sound." That then goes home to Ireland, mm-hmm. and then we wait and see. 
It's so that's how we do it. Um, the idea is that they'll stay a race here. So it's only a small number. It's about three or four fillers a year. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, but so far, it seems to be going the right direction. And of course, Preta Touche runs on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So she'll be the second one of the next four. Um, and we've got the four, four three-year-olds fillers. Um, I think I think Anna Lucia will be fine. And this gets back to the broodmare. We have one that she's fine. She's, there's nothing wrong with her. She's she's the first foal of a very valuable mare, um, but she probably isn't just as good as the others, and she just has slightly short legs and she can't reach as mm -hmm. far. So we've already decided, you know. I said to Christoph, we need to protect the mare. She's mm -hmm. the first foal of the mare, so he's just gonna he's gonna stop breezing her, wait till he gets to New York, and we'll look around and we'll farm around for a smaller track with a smaller race. The object of the exercise there is to run her somewhere that she can win a little race. We're not expecting her to win at Belmont. We're not expecting her to mm -hmm. win at Saratoga. And that's another side of it. Protect your mares. Sure. And it now, is will that we time. Keep her long -term? Yeah. Will we keep her long term? Doubtful. Sure. But she's the first foal of a good mare. We will find a way to protect the mare. And it is that time of year, as you mentioned, um, foals arriving, matings planned, mares being bred. Um, can you yeah. give a little insight on some of the things you're excited about coming up this time of year for uh, for the broodmare? Yeah, well, we've already to? had one. One, yeah, we've already had five foals in Kentucky, yes. um, including. Uh, well, yeah. Um, what is she? I'm just trying to think what she had the other day. What did she have? <laughs> just trying to think what she had. Uh, I left. I, I left on Sunday, and she foaled the day before. That's why I'm being a little bit vague about this. Sure. I'm just thinking what, what Love Appeals what Love Appeals mum had. There we go. What does she have? Oh, I know what she had. She had a curling filly, and um, I didn't see it. it. She actually left the morning I was leaving. She foaled the morning I was leaving. But we have a cracking little warfront filly that we've already all named Brat out of the young <laughs> name, and we have an Uncle Mo Colt. And, you know, they're not all stars. You know, mm -hmm. you evaluate them. We had a first folder out of a smaller but very well-bred mare, and she's the, she's the weakest of them, but you would expect that. Mm -hmm. um, the mares that we would hope would have really good foals have started off well. So it's always exciting. It's always kind of that that dream, that hope for the future moving forward. And, um, oh, yeah. It never any, stops. Oh, no, never. It's what keeps it us all on. going, right? Yeah, it kept on trucking through COVID. I mean, it didn't, you can't, because there's an animal welfare issue as well. You can't, you, you know, if racehorses are in training, you can't just say to them, hey, lads, we're giving you a couple of weeks off to stand in your stables and look after yourself. You know, it never stopped because mm -hmm. it was the same with the broodmares and the foals. It is yeah. amazing looking back on that time too, and and having to uh, to make sure to to keep things going. And yeah. in the states, yeah. there were only I think four racetracks running, That's but yeah. we kept on, we kept on, and we've come really far. Thankfully yeah. for that, yeah, yeah. And you rely and, on your staff then, you know, and because I mean, it's it's as much, you know, it was the same in Ireland. We mm -hmm. were, we raced behind closed doors for almost eighteen months. But at least it, you know, the staff, you know, it, it enabled the staff to get paid, the owners to get, you know, if the horses won. It was on, it, it was on TV. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the jockeys all did a great job. The valets did a great job. But it was a, probably the same in the States. Because, you know, you've got, you know, you can't just say to your staff, sorry, lads, we're shut down for a year. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you rely on your staff in all places, whether it's 
Christoph at Payson Park or Belmont or all the trainers we have in Ireland, you're only as good as your staff. Always. And I wanted to ask you, you were telling me a bit about Moyglair's involvement with the Cura in Ireland yeah. and, uh, and yeah. Moyglair Day, uh, I know a big highlight and something you put a lot yeah. of work into as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but can you tell me a little bit about, about the involvement in the racetrack and why that's so important to Moyglair? Well, I think um, they decided to, um, the Cura has been there for a long time. It's probably Ireland's, the other racetracks wouldn't like this, but it's sort of, it's Ireland's track, you know, Ireland owns the Curra. It's this great grass area in the middle of the in the middle of Ireland, the County Kildare, and the racetrack has always been there. It's a it's a wonderful track. I mean, it's just it's it's like nothing you'll see in America. I could I couldn't. It, it's just set on the side of a hill, and it just is undulating ground, and it's just it's you know you can run two mile races there and watch them the whole ways. But the stand had been had got quite old and needed to be and needed to be replaced. So Ava's father had signed up as an investor the first time round, and that just didn't, they never got it off the ground. And so then about eight years ago, there was a real effort made and, you know, some prominent Irish breeders and um, horse owners, you know, Kamor, Sheikh Mohammed, the Aga Khan was, was really the instigator on it. And so Ava just said, no, I, I'll do that too. Now I have to say, it's a few leaps, bangs, crashes and wallops along the way. Uh, but eventually it got built and it's a wonderful stand and it's a wonderful facility. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm on the Curra training grounds a lot and they have been allowed to get into a terrible state. And I, you know, I, so God bless Ava. I did, I did a bit of a project and to see roughly what could we do and how much would it cost. And I sort of rather scared myself. So I went back to the drawing board and scared myself again. And eventually I just said to her, I said, Ava, the training grounds are falling apart. If we could get this to work, would you finance it? And God bless her, she did. And, you know, I think there's a lot of gratitude for Ava in Ireland for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, she also sponsors the Stable Lads Canteen at the Curra Race Course. Staff are very important to her. They're very important to her in Switzerland with her company, but they're also very important to her in Ireland, whether it's the stud staff bringing in the mares and foals and working on the farm or the staff that are exercising the horses. Mm-hmm. And um, so she does things for them, which, you know, I mean, last year we, we had a very good year. So she went and she sent around just, you know, did, I organized some coffee vans, just popping into a yard in the morning for, you know, two hours, a little bit like a mobile version of the donuts, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, lads could in between lots, they could just run up, get a cup of coffee, get a bun. And it was just, it wasn't a great big thing. It was just more to say, thank you. You are appreciated. We know you're there. You know, because they don't always—they're always up on the podium getting the awards. They're often in the background scrubbing down a dirty horse, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're so reliant on the staff, and if we can't get them, then racing will stop. And it's about that. I think that um, dedication to the sport and, and to all of the people who make it possible and success yeah. has followed as well with all that's been put into it. I wanted to ask about Kiprios, who I know is a, a, a yeah. very special horse and, and the one that gave a lot of excitement. Yeah, well, he was a horse that was bred in partnership. Mm-hmm. Galileo was obviously the flagship stallion in Europe for many years. And we did a deal with Kumor, so it's a bit to do with money as well. But, um, and we sent down, we sent down four mares and they were bred 50-50. You know, we owned the mare and Kumor owned the, um, 
um, nomination seasons. And I mean, we had a very good year with, well, that, no, that Kiprios was a year before, but we've been doing this for a few years. And so he was, he, he is owned, he runs in Ava's Colours, but he's a 50-50. Right. And, you know, the fillers, the fillers are more straightforward because we know what we're going to do with those. So we kept him, raced him. I don't know if anybody knew how good he was. I, I, I would hazard a guess that Aiden had a, Aiden had a, had a thought, but the rest of us just thought he was just a horse. And then he, he, he went to Ascot as a three-year-old to run in one of the races there and had an aversion to the starting stalls and crawled out underneath mm. the gate for some strange reason, which you still can't work out why. And I think then was just body sores. And he didn't run anymore as a three-year-old and rather became a forgotten horse. And then it was really a case of, is this horse any good or not? And Aidan persevered and persevered. And anyway, the long tour, long tour is shorter, but he ended up Kiprios winning four group ones, yeah. including the Ascot Gold Cup. So, you know, he's obviously a very good horse. He's only this year, he's a five-year-old this year. He was a four-year-old last year. He's got, year, with those staying horses, he's got years in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I say it'll be more a case of, I think he was ranked the third best horse in the world last year. Turf horse in the world last year. Even though his actual his distances are a mile and three quarters to two to two and a half miles, but he just it's the style he does it in. And I so you know he, that's racing fun. He he's not going to make us a lot of money at stud. He will cover a lot of mares, but probably the national hunt game. That's just racing for the sake mm-hmm. of racing. You know, to go to the races and have a good time and have a really good horse yeah. to fly the flag. And winning that gold cup, as you mentioned, I mean, he, he was over beating Stradivarius that day yeah, too. Yeah. And, and just, um, I, I love those long distance turf runners because they really, they stick around for a while and they, I think oh, they, they pick up yeah. so many fans along the way. Yeah, they do. And so that, you know, he has, I mean, he's very popular. Yeah. And I think we've just got to see what Aiden decides to do with him this year. I know the plan is to go back to Ascot. Um, we just have to hope that, you know, there's no bumps in the road and on he goes. So but he's a good horse and he's in great hands and on we go. But I mean, he, if he's sounded well, he'll be running for the next few years because yeah. there's no reason to stop on a horse like him. Absolutely. You know, it, there is now a partnership group and Ava owns half and then the partners are the other half. And I mean, they're all racing enthusiasts. And, you know, this. sometimes you retire them too early. Well, we kept our good mare, Search for a Song. She's won two group ones, two Irish set ledgers. We kept her in training last year as a six-year-old, which is probably very unusual. But you know something? She was in training in Ireland. All that last summer, which was an amazingly dry, glorious summer in Ireland, you know, you'd hear her coming down the yard. This is a six-year-old mare. And you'd hear these dancing feet, and, you, and she's a bright chestnut with a big white blows. And you'd suddenly see these ears and this place. And her lad was called Carlos. The two of them would bounce down the yard. They'd bounce around the indoor school. They'd bounce out to the curra. She'd do whatever she was going to do. And sometimes she'd walk back. Sometimes she'd bounce home. And that was, you know, I said to somebody, I said, she just loves to train. That was, she just, she's an absolute brat to deal with. Love to train, love to train, love to race. And, you know, yes, of course, she'd be more valuable as a broodmare, but she, you know, and this year she ran, she was second and second and third at group one level. She mm-hmm. didn't win a race this year because sadly she had to run against her brother, Kiprios, mm-hmm. um, who beat her. But, um, you know, she loved every moment of it. And occasionally 
you have to do that because for that reason, because they're so hard to get. A good horse is so hard to find. There are people that spend fortunes of money and hours and hours and hours just to get one that can run. We have one that can run, a bit eccentric. I used to call us man's a box of cats. But boy, boy, oh boy, did she run, you know, and she loved it. And I love hearing that too. And it's so exciting um, to see them on the racetrack and so exciting to look uh, and follow mm. the new ones on the track as well. Best of luck with, with your homebred runner this weekend. And Fiona, I can't say thank you enough for, for taking the time with me today. No problem, Acacia, anytime. That wraps up another episode of In the Ring. Thank you so much for taking a listen today. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, a lot more exciting content still to come and particularly a lot of things covering the two-year-old sales that are coming up in March, April, May, and June. So uh, keep an eye out for all of that. As always, make sure you are subscribed to the In the Money Media newsletter. Check out all of the great content from my colleagues over there as well. A big thank you to Fiona Craig and Nellie and Chetley Breeden. Uh, make sure to uh, to follow some of their runners and horses that we talked about on the show today too over the season. Um, and thanks as always to Qatar Racing for their support of this show. We'll see you next time on In the Ring. As always, anything of interest, anything you want to hear more about, let me know. You can find me over on social media at Acacia underscore Lamont. And uh, we'll see you next time on In the Ring. Thanks everyone.